Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak on a beautiful Thursday morning edition of the podcast. We're taking a little bit of a break from our regularly scheduled final reports and rankings of the 2021 NFL Draft class to talk about some of the news because we are football fans outside of the draft just like you guys are. And when big news happens in the NFL, we get excited. And we got takes. Before we get to those, got to mention that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. They got an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you are ever going to need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On NFL Draft sent you. And it is with that that I bring in my esteemed co-host, Benjamin Solak, who came up with the topics and the guys that we are talking about today. So blame him if the show sucks. Ben, my friend, how are you? Wow. Wow. A lot of wow. pressure. A lot of pressure. I got to see how you do under pressure, man. I had to put it on you. It's important. Well, I mean, like, it's not really pressure. Like, I already decided them. Like, it, like when I decided them, there was no pressure, so I just did it. And now, all of a sudden, I'm learning there are massive consequences attached to it. <laughs> I can't make a change now. I'm already pot committed. It's, it's yeah. true. Everything is delicious. Cam Newton's a New England Patriot. All right, so <laughs> we're just... With that transition, that was good. It was a little harsh. It was a little in your face, but we're, we're waking people up. We're cold water on the face this morning. Talking about some of these moves. We got a handful of them to happen. We knew that that was going to be the case with the salary cap not going down as much as we thought it was going to, but simply not going up like it does every year. We knew that certain teams would be really backs against the wall to get under the cap. There were a lot of teams that were spending a lot, going in heavy on this past season. We knew that some good players were going to hit the open market. And I think that that's the case. And there are some surprising names, but we could start with Cam Newton. Cam Newton's the big one. He signs a one-year, $14 million deal with the New England Patriots, which is a lot more than the one-year, $1.7 million deal that he signed last year. So even for people who say like, oh, you know, Cam didn't show a lot. I don't know why they're making a decision. He, he showed a lot more than what he had in the, in the early parts of uh, last offseason because he signed for a lot more money. Ben, would love to hear your thoughts on what you think about Cam Newton returning to New England. Right, so the deal is one year up to fourteen million, which means that there's going to be bonuses structured into the contract, which will change how much Newton makes. It's worth noting for like people who aren't familiar with cap structure or contract structure, I should say, and how it affects the cap. Bonuses are categorized uh, as either LTBE or NL. TBE, which means likely to be earned or not likely to be earned. Right. Uh, and so when we have a like $1 million bonus, if you win the Super Bowl, that's categorized as a not likely to be earned bonus. Uh, in terms of how bonuses are characterized as not likely to be earned or likely to be earned, it happens during the negotiation and it's a little bit arbitrary. But because like obviously, uh, you know, 10 sack in one season bonus would be a lot more likely to be earned by like Aaron Donald than like Carl Nassib. I don't know why Carl wow. Nassib wow. is wow. right now. Wow. But I'm just, just, just running Carl Nassib over yeah. with a bus this morning. So the main, the main point to this story here, besides 
Carl Nassib is not likely to get 10 sacks is that Newton's deal is up to 14 million. However, against their cap for accounting purposes, starting now, starting when he signs his deal, he will not account for $14 million against the cap. He'll account for less. Uh, and it'll be the, the actual base salary of his contract plus his likely-to-be-earned bonuses. So he'll count for less than $14 million in the cap. That may change depending on what bonuses he hits, what doesn't, that number could go up or down. So it's not going to take $14 million out of the Patriots' current cap haul, which they have like $70 million in space. Yeah. So it's not like they're going to go down to 56. They're still going to be in the 60s. They're still going to have a ton of space. So number one, this doesn't like eat into their ability to go sign other dudes. That's important because I don't think, I don't think, and I don't think you think that Newton precludes them from drafting a quarterback. How do you think you, you think you know what I think? Because we've podcasted together for a while. So we I, I have a feeling as to how you think about players. I think that you don't think that I think what I think. Okay. Um, I no, mean, I do. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> it took you a minute to get there. No, um, I, I, I'm, one, I'm, one, I'm glad that you clarified the salary cap purposes because a, a lot of these guys, anytime that you see players who go to certain teams that are on one-year deals or, you know, it, it's contracts that weren't like home runs that it, it, it you just thought that it was going to be up in the air. There's obviously a lot of incentives that are built in. It's not just the number that you see. So I'm glad that you brought that up. But honestly, when I saw the news of Cam Newton, I wasn't even worried about the cap space because for once, New England's got plenty of it. And I think this move was much more about the flexibility that they now give themselves at the quarterback position to not have to be desperate than it even was about Cam Newton. So when I saw the one-year deal, I was like, wow, okay, you know, one-year deal, I think that that makes sense there. I didn't even see what the money was for, and I already thought that it was a good deal. Because what bringing Cam Newton back does, and, and, and you and I have had this conversation on this very show before, you know, Cam started off playing pretty well, all things considered, going to a new team with a new system, with a new team, especially one that did not have any passing weapons whatsoever. Then he had the hand injury, took a shot to his hand, and then he got the positive COVID test, and it just clearly kind of went downhill, his season did from there. But I felt like he did have a little bit more in the tank. Now, is he going to be, let's invest the franchise, the short-term or long-term look into our franchise for him? Okay, no, but that's not what this deal is. Instead, this is a one-year deal that gives you flexibility and doesn't make you so desperate when it comes to either a trade for a veteran or trading up in the NFL draft because we went over the prop bets on Tuesday and right now you know we talked about Mac Jones's prop bet as QB5 being over under 11 and a half Patriots are sitting there at 15 so what are they going to do trade up to go get Mac Jones no of course they're not and so mm-hmm. at least I don't think they are so signing Cam Newton even if you even if you are on the lower end of the spectrum well I guess if you're on the lowest there are people that think that Cam's a bum and those people are dumb but If you were on the lower end of Cam as a starting caliber quarterback spectrum, this still makes sense because, like you said, the contract is worded and structured in a way that it makes sense for the Patriots. It's not like they're breaking the bank for him. Right. They get a guy who's already been in the system for a year. They hope that he's going to be a lot more healthy going into this next season. And they don't have to sit here and go, well, I guess we have to give the 49ers whatever they want for Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I guess we have to go give the Cowboys whatever they want for number 10 overall or et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's what the deal meant to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Howe of the Athletic Boston 
just tweeted out. Uh, Cam Newton's deal is heavy on incentives. He'll get to 14 million if everything goes perfectly. Otherwise, it's, it'll be much less than that, according to a source. So sure. I'm guessing this is like, you know, it's a lot of it's going to be playing time and availability, right? That's the main thing you would tether this to. Is like we will pay you if you're able to stay healthy for what do you, us. What do you think? What do you think? The, like the bottom baseline of money he's getting is like half, like seven. I would say probably right closer to the seven that he got. Yeah. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to remember if the seven he got last year was was real money or if it was largely incentive money as well. I think it Regardless. was incentive money. I think the one point yeah. seven that I was saying was the baseline for like where it started before incentives. Right. So that would be my guess is that would be under ten. Uh, I also am going to take this as support for my hope, my dream of Trey Lance to the Patriots, which I think would be a extremely fun fit. Yeah. Uh, your ideal Trey Lance, uh, you know, uh, what sort of for mentor, right? Leader, coach, you know, kind of a transition guy would be a guy like Cam Newton because of how much Lance's legs are going to be used in the game. You know what I mean? He's going to be a dual threat, especially if he lands in New England. He's going to be a very heavy dual threat quarterback. And so I love the Lance fit in New England. It's not going to happen, but they're bringing back Newton. All right, perfect. Draft Lance. You can sit him for a year. He can learn behind Cam. It's his pro day today. It's going to be great. But it's not going to happen because he's going to get drafted top five. I don't know if he's going to get drafted top five, man. I think he's going to be drafted way too early. I don't know. I think that there's there is an outside chance that this could happen. I really do think so. The Miami Dolphins ended up releasing Kyle Van Noy. After finishing just the first year of a four-year deal that he had, which was kind of a shock there, especially because I kind of thought Kyle Van Noy would be a good fit in Brian Flores' strange all-over-the-place, attack the pocket, confuse the quarterback, kind of a defense. And I thought Kyle Van Noy would be a great great fit for that. Of course, he's a former Patriots standout player, Brian Flores, former defensive coach for the Patriots. All of that was there, and I thought it lined up really well. I guess the Dolphins just really wanted the cap, and they saved some cap some cap by getting rid of him. It was reported that they were going to get rid of him, and then they tried to trade him, but let me tell you how often that works. It never. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Right. The second Adam Schefter— Would anybody like to give us something for this player you'll have to give us nothing for later? Right, right. The second no. Adam Schefter hits send on the tweet that you are releasing this player, it's over. It's done. Yeah. You're not getting anything for him. So what do you think of Van Noy? And let's talk about some potential landing spots for him. Yeah, so sub-30, good pass rusher, not elite double-digit sack pass rusher, but good pass rusher, quality dude, versatile leadership. Like, he's an ideal player. He's an ideal player to pick up on the free agent market, especially if you like feel like you're a competitor and, and, and you need to improve that edge spot. So to me, like, Baltimore is the number one place. Yep. Uh, versatile outside edge who can rush the passer and who can drop they're probably going to lose tyus bowser in free agency this year now they're going to lose bowser because they don't want to pay him the money necessary to keep him van noy i would imagine it's going to cost more than bowser so it's a little bit like if they're not going to spend that money on tyus bowser why would they then spend it on van noy so maybe not uh with that said i i think that van noy is a good fit there Van Noy is a good fit in Carolina, where they've got a ton of fungible money. He might be a good fit for the Jets if you just want to make him a permanent outside rusher. They've mm-hmm. obviously got a ton of money, so you can see that being a thing. 
Uh, the Bengals also have a ton of money about to lose Carl Lawson. Again, they can go after it, but like those aren't perfect scheme fits. I would say that his best scheme fits are going to be like Baltimore, Carolina. I have down outside of Baltimore because I had Baltimore down. I thought about him getting with Vance Joseph out in Arizona because they're mm-hmm. probably going to lose Hassan Reddick, and I think Hassan Reddick might really be able to capitalize in the 12-and-a-half half season. So That's a very good one. You could probably get Kyle Van Noy for less than that, you would assume. So I like him with Vance Joseph. Right, and J. they're J. out Watson here. There. Chandler Jones they're is out there. here acting like they're competitors. Right, so they would do right, this. Right, right, yeah. And then the other one is maybe the Chicago Bears because you're probably losing Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd actually really figured out how to be a better pass rusher this past year. So... Um, yeah, in with the Rams. Oh yeah, the with the Rams. Sorry, sorry. No, I I I didn't mean Chicago. I meant uh, I meant I meant the Rams. My bad. I you was, were thinking Leonard Floyd and just immediately projected onto Chicago instead of. The I Rams. I immediately Rams thought of sense. Leonard Floyd in the Chicago jersey. So no 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 no. I'm I'm thinking of of Los Angeles. Even though that that would be yeah. an interesting uh, cap circus for them to do. But right. Leonard Floyd had a really nice year as an outside pass rusher for them, and I feel like Van Noy could be a fit. It's tough because a lot of the teams who have a cap space and b a needed edge don't use their edges like Van Noy needs to be used. Right. So I look at like yeah. Cleveland, I look at Seattle, I look at even like the Chargers who might lose Melvin Ingram, and they just don't drop their edges enough. Right. Even like I thought Denver. about the Chargers, but yeah, yeah I couldn't, but I couldn't they, get the fit. Yeah. And that's the problem is like if Van Noy is going to be valuable to you, such that you're willing to pay him the money necessary to bring him in, because I think he's going to command a decent amount even in this weird year you got to be able to drop him to maximize him. So, I mean, like, there's no team that should be out on Van Noy because mm-hmm. there's a lot that he does well. Uh, and if he's going to be cheap in this weird cap year where everybody's going to be cheap, then he's probably going to be a value no matter what. But I think, right, his best scheme is going to be like Baltimore or Carolina. Arizona's a really good one, too. What about John Brown, the speedy deep threat wide receiver released by the Buffalo Bills? Now, he's on the open market. What about some target teams that he could be joining? Well, are you surprised that he was cut? I, I did not see this coming. So, yeah, I, I guess so. Okay, so Brown... I, I don't think... I don't, I, I don't think... I didn't mean to cut you off, but like I don't think John Brown is at like uncuttable status. But I was surprised that mm-hmm. Buffalo let him go. Yeah, especially where they are as a team. Right, so they... So Buffalo just re-signed Matt Milano, $11 million per four-year contract, $24 million in guaranteed money. He is one of their key defensive players. They paid him as such. Before that, the writing was on the wall a little bit because they cut Vernon Butler. They cut Quentin Jefferson. They restructured with Mitch Morse. And then they cut John Brown. And John Brown was worth $8 million in cap space when they cut him, which is a good amount, especially for a player like John Brown. You know yeah, what I mean? Like chunk. that— yeah, so I get it in that regard. I would not have told you, however, like the fact like, if they had to do it to sign Milano, then sure. But they still have like 15 something million in cap space, which I imagine they're going to re-sign Daryl Williams, try to find a way to spend. Otherwise, I'm just surprised. I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do with the rest of that money. Because I don't think Cunning Brown was critical to signing back Milano. Matt Milano. Yeah. And obviously, like, Brown was uh, lacking availability, and Milano is so critical to your defense everything, but Brown's a pretty good player. So, right, so now where does he end up? Well, okay. Speed threat. 
there's no, like we talked about scheme fit with Kyle Van Noy. There's nowhere that doesn't want a player like John Brown. Sure. He yeah. enters the market with Will Fuller and it'll be interesting to see right, kind of right. who gets valued more there. They both have some injury concerns. They both have that deep ball ability. Fuller obviously has the size advantage. Uh, John Brown was initially in Arizona. Arizona desperately needs a speed receiver because yeah. Andy Isabella did not work out. Uh, I don't think John Brown wants to go play back in Arizona, though. He didn't really leave there under the best terms. Obviously, it's a new coaching staff, but it's the same general manager. I don't think Arizona makes sense for him. So then all right, you start looking at, at your teams with obvious wide receiver needs, the Patriots, the Jets, the Colts. All of these teams could make a, a immediate like push with just big money to Brown if they wanted to. Uh, the Colts are particularly interesting because that's my favorite lost. fit. That's the, yeah, that's they the team lost. that I have is my favorite fit. Right, exactly. Like a really good way to pay 80% of what you were going to pay T.Y. Hilton and get 80% of what T.Y. Hilton was going to give you is by signing John Brown. You know what I mean? Like I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially for they have Pittman, they have Pascal, they have uh, right. Jack Doyle. They right. need that player who's got speed. That's so yeah. he's Go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Finish. I think he's uh, – Indianapolis is a very good one. I think Miami is a great one. Miami does not have a speed element on the receiver room right now. They have all size on the outside. Uh, Bring in John Brown, and it has zero impact on who you end up drafting um, because you're going to bring him Brown on a one-year deal. He's going to help you field stretch. He's going to help you create with quick stuff. Um, And then you draft a wide receiver to be the the future guy. So that's just a a quick shot in the arm and a very talented wide receiver uh, for Asian class. So I like Miami for that. Uh, and then last, I would think that Detroit would be interested, right? Detroit loses Marvin Hall. Detroit's losing Kenny Galladay. Detroit losing Marvin Jones. They bring in Tyro Williams. But they are such a thin wide receiver room, and they have absolutely no speed element on the depth chart whatsoever. So bring, bring in John Brown. Let him be your speed vertical guy. Uh, we don't really know. Brad Holmes obviously was kind of on. He was on the uh, Hustle and Flow podcast, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, talking about how they're going to be in the quarterback market. So we don't really know exactly what the quarterback situation will be. We don't know exactly what the offense will be, but they have no speed. So John Brown in, in, in the lines makes a lot of sense. I didn't think of the Miami connection, and that's a good one. That is that is a good yeah. one that, that I totally did not think of. I If you're signing a one-year deal, which we imagine a lot of these veterans are, where else would you want to just go hang out in Miami? Well, yeah, I mean, South Beach for a year. Right. If you're John Brown, then that makes sense for sure. I like the Colts fit the most because I think he truly compliments and, and just rounds out what they would want from their receiver room because they have the big body. They've got the X with Michael Pittman Jr. They have the possession wide receiver, a guy who could do a lot of different things for you in Pascal. You've got the quick underneath that guy, the player that you would want to get with screens and slants and mesh concepts and things like that with Paris Campbell, who you hope is healthy. The biggest thing that they would be missing with T.Y. Hilton's departure would be that speed element. And I I really do think that that would complete their wide receiver room. So I like that one the most, although the Miami one. Now you got got the wheels turning here. Now I'm thinking about Miami, and I actually think that 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 could be a really good potential signing for them. They've got to be able to have Tua throw it down the field, though. Well. Yeah. It is important that you have a quarterback who can uh, get somebody the ball deep down the field. We're sorry, Miami fans. We're just uh, just just having a little friendly friendly back and forth. Just a little, just two friends joking about some football here in a Thursday edition of the podcast. We got a couple more guys that we want to get to, as well as a potential Russell Wilson trade and some draft targets, as well as updating you on some of the pro days that happened uh, earlier this week. But 
First, I got a couple ads I got to read. We're talking about rockauto.com. I mentioned them at the beginning of the show. They're a family owned business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. Rockauto.com uh, is, is the place to go to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers, whether it is a fix or an upgrade. They got you. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And it's the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much money for the same parts? You don't have to. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts they have available for your car or truck. Right locked on NFL draft in their little how did you hear about us section. Uh, So they know that we sent you over there. They've got an amazing selection, reliably low prices. All of the car parts you are ever going to need over at rockauto.com. And then I also got to let you guys know, we got to give you a Bilt Bar update. We've been telling you about Bilt Bar. It's the best tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bars with 100% chocolate in all of their bars. Now, it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best because it is Built Bar Madness. You can go to BuiltBar.com or on Twitter at Built underscore Bar to check out all of the matchups for the different flavors of bars. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order over at uh, BuiltBar.com. You could order a single flavor box, which comes with 18 different bars. You can also mix flavors in a single box. So you could, if you haven't tried it before, you could try a bunch of different ones. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get the 20% off on the next order at BuiltBar.com and check back in to see who won every day's matchup over at BuiltBar.com and at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. We'll be back right after the break. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get the daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by, by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. So we're talking about some veterans that have recently been purged, if you will, from some of these teams that are trying to get under the salary cap before the new league year. We talked about Kyle Van Noy. We talked about Cam Newton re-signing with the Patriots. Uh, We talked about John Brown, the wide receiver, getting cut from the Buffalo Bills. Now let's talk about Malcolm Butler, cornerback from the Tennessee Titans, who, uh, very prominent corner back when the Patriots were winning the Super Bowl. Of course, he had the incredible interception on the goal line against the Seattle Seahawks to help capture the Patriots' Super Bowl that season, signed a big deal with Tennessee, I think there was a lot of promise for him early on in that deal, but it just seems like over the last couple of years that Malcolm Butler has not been worth the price tag that he was able to get. So they move on now from Malcolm Butler. They save themselves a big chunk of change in Tennessee. Where could Butler be next, Ben? It's interesting, right? Uh, When Malcolm Butler was cut, I saw like multiple Tennessee people be like, yeah, we get it for the money reasons. Uh, they're saving more than $10 million against the cap. They cut Kenny Vaccaro as well. Uh, Vaccaro, I think, saves them 5 or $6 million against the cap. But a lot of Tennessee beat writers are like, yeah, Butler was good last year. Like, he's not, you know, necessarily like $15 million, $14 million quarterback, cornerback, excuse me. But he was good. Like, he, he, he played well. He was their best option on a very bad corner room. And we well, talked a lot. There's a difference, right? There's a difference between being a good corner and being the best corner in a bad corner room. Yeah, but I think that we've talked. I'll put it this way: I think we've talked a lot about how this is a bad corner class, 
free agent-wise. Patrick Peterson, A.J. Bouye, Desmond Trufant, Richard Sherman, sure. we're all over 30. We're all, you know, of, of questionable caliber of play at this stage in our careers. Butler is over 30. He's an ex-eight-figure contract, and he falls directly into that bucket. And so this bucket now, and you can put DJ Hayden in there, you can put Janoris Jenkins and Robert Alford in there. Janoris Jenkins, who was just cut from the Saints, Alford, who was just cut from the Cardinals. Uh, you put all these guys in there and basically just say, it's critical that we get this right. Like, there's going to be a couple of these over 30 corners who go somewhere else and play well on a short-term deal. And it's critical to their team. Your pro scouting department's got to get it right. This is like a, a very weird corner class. Like last year's corner free agent group, it was so clear who the top guys are. And this year, who are the top guys? It's very hard to figure out. So Butler getting added is interesting to me. Uh, return to New England after the Stephon Gilmore trade. It is uh-huh. it is yeah. it is funny how many players that we have available who I I I'm just like return to New England? Hi, getting the band back yeah. together? Yeah, Malcolm Butler, right. Jason Kyle, McCoy's a free agent. Kyle Van Noy, getting back to New England. Right. Um, Rob Gronkowski's a free agent. Right, probably not that one. Yeah, I was about to say I don't know that one. Uh, to New England Cardinals, who are obviously competitors now. Joke? Question mark. So <laughs> they're losing Patrick Peterson. Butler's a free agent. Uh, I like that one. I like. Oh, which one? Oh, I like the Bills a lot for corner two um, because you're going to be able to play Butler in yeah, cover nice. two approaches. You're going to be able to play him in short zone approaches, which is going to be able to help with depreciating athletic ability. I uh, so like the Bills for corner two. And then mm-hmm. the Niners are going to be connected to every corner in the world because the Niners have no corners on their depth chart. But right. I think Butler has more gas in the tank left than a player like A.J. Bouye, than a player like Desmond Trufant, even arguably than a player like Patrick Peterson at this stage. And so I, I'm not going to go so far as say like Butler's the best corner on the free agent market over 30. Cause I don't think he is. And I don't think I've watched enough of these guys to be able to claim that, but I think Butler's still got multiple good years of quality starting corner play for him. And I w- that's important on this free agent market. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him over Patrick Peterson, but I would have him right behind Patrick Peterson. Like I would have him above those other guys there. Those are some interesting teams that you named. I'm most intrigued by the Buffalo Bills ad to get him opposite Trey White. That, I think, would make a lot of sense if Buffalo wants to spend the money there. Another team that I really like would be the Colts. And we've, we've mentioned the Colts a bunch here, but you know, you get Malcolm Butler on the outside, Rocky Sin on the outside, you got Kenny Moore in the middle. All of a sudden, I think that that works pretty well. And you're talking about a defense that, uh, like you mentioned with some of these other teams, they're playing too deep a lot. And I think that that would really help out Malcolm Butler and make him a worthwhile investment for you to upgrade that corner room. The other team, I, 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 don't, I don't really know if this makes sense for Malcolm Butler himself, but the Texans need corners bad, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that they're, they've, they've got to at least look at a corner upgrade. And if they don't want to spend big money on what might be Richard Sherman or Patrick Peterson, Malcolm Butler might be the sweet spot for them, but they have to, they have to upgrade corner. Their corner room is so bad. I, I that's a situation. Wait, like wait, an, wait, 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 wait. The Texans defensive coordinator is Lovey Smith. Correct. I didn't think what? it was this bad. Yeah. Yes. How did I miss this? Yeah. What? It's bad. 
every okay it's every bad. single Texans coach makes absolutely no sense to me. And Correct. then also Pep Hamilton is there as the passing game coordinator. I think that's awesome. I feel so bad for Pep. Pep's just trying to get a job, man. Pep's trying to be an offense coordinator. Abolish the Texans. That's the only thing I have to say to that. Lavi Smith in 2021. Bad. Bad. This, the, sec- like- the second I saw that news, though, I went, yep, I get it. Total Makes total sense. Makes 100% sense for right. everything that we've seen from the Texans. We're, we are literally, we are. Soft we're gonna spoken. Have inter- we're going to have interim head coach Lovey Smith in the year 2022. That's unbelievable. That experiment failed in Tampa Smith. like four years ago, and he's the same guy. So I don't know what to he tell you. He failed in Illinois. Didn't he like kind of succeed at Illinois though? Didn't he like have some mm-hmm. like big wins? No. Yeah, like well, like they were like physical and like oh, blah, blah, blah. but didn't like didn't they have like that an eight game turnover streak or something? Someone please force me to retire. And he's out there being the associate head coach and the defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. Imagine you're a rookie and Lovey Smith is like, all right, time to install our defense. Uh, we're gonna base out of Tampa too. I'd be like, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't do this. It's not gonna work. Let's let's talk about Mitchell Schwartz next because the Chiefs released their starting offensive tackles, in which I made a funny Super Bowl joke about on Twitter, and then Chiefs fans got very mad at me because I didn't bring full context into it. Yes, I realized that Eric Fisher tore his Achilles and on the other <laughs> side of thirty. Yes, I realized that Mitchell Schwartz had the back injury and he's even contemplating not playing again. I realize this. I'm here to get jokes off. You guys know this. Mitchell Schwartz. Been one of the best right tackles in the game for the last three years. There was a point to where I think that he had 70 consecutive games played. Like, he was an Iron Man. Then all of a sudden, in the beginning of, or the middle, eh, beginning middle-ish of this past season, he had a back injury that kept him out for second half of the season, for the playoffs, for the Super Bowl run. And now they release both Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, who didn't even get to play in that Super Bowl game in which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were victorious. So Mitchell Schwartz is an interesting case because if the back checks out, this is one of the best right tackles in football, right? And I, every right, and so thing. many teams in the NFL should be ready to throw him whatever he wants to play for their football team. But is the back right, going to check the, out? Okay, but the thing is, like, he played, firstly, in my head, Mitchell Schwartz was 38 years old. He's 32. Uh, so he's younger than I thought he was going to be. So I mean, 32 is still old, though, for an offensive lineman. 32, okay. He ain't Andrew Trent Whitworth Williams. out here. But that, that's what I'm saying is that like guys like Andrew Whitworth, like if you take care of your body, which this is these are the first games that Schwartz has missed in his career, Trev. From 2012 to 2019, he didn't miss a snap. I called him an Iron Man. What do you want from me? I'm just saying that if you feel confident in Mitchell's ability to bring his body back, which given what he's done over the course of his career, I would. If he's healthy again, this is another five years of good tackle play, Trev. This isn't just one or two. I hear you. 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 So to me, this is right. This is potentially the best right tackle over the next five years of football is on the market. Did you expect this to happen? No. This is critical. This is huge. Uh, Baltimore. Losing Orlando Brown at right tackle. Yep. That's the, that Identity was, that was the, the very first line. one. That was the very first yeah, one that I had. I think it would be awesome. They they obviously they have like Terrence Steele. They have guys they drafted. Maybe they don't want to spend that much money. I would get it. Um, if you're still looking to leave him at right tackle, it does make things a little bit tricky. The Chargers need a left tackle. Mm-hmm. The Colts need a left tackle. So right. that 
kind of complicates stuff. Uh, Green Bay, David Bakhtiari in hand. Oh, played yeah. Played Rick this, Wagner yeah, there this, last this year. This is huge, yeah. Yeah, played Rick, Rick Wagner there last year. Now, having cut Rick Wagner, need a, I want to call him Wagner again, uh, need to <laughs> have somebody to start at that spot. Right now, they're $8 million over the cap. How much is Mitchell going to take? How long of a deal is he going to take? The Bills. Daryl Williams started at right tackle last year's one-year rental. Was great. He's hitting free agency. They need a starter at right tackle. They're $15 million over the cap. They're a competitor. How long of a deal is Mitchell Schwartz going to take for them is also a warranted question. Um, but those are your, your top competing teams, Green Bay and Buffalo, who I imagine will be extremely aggressive going after Mitchell Schwartz. The only other team I could see getting equally uh, heavy on the swing is the Los Angeles Rams, just because that's what the Rams do, right? The Rams right, just extremely hit big spenders and they're aggressive. Um, but I don't know if they've got the cap room necessary to make that happen. Right now, they're like 30 something million under the cap or whatever. Ravens are, of course, the big one because, I mean, this is very advantageous to them if they would want. If Mitchell Schwartz back checks out and he wants to continue playing and this is what he's about. You could sign him as right tackle and you could trade Orlando Brown, right? I mean, like Orlando Brown has said that he wants to be a left tackle. He played left tackle this past year. He commands a lot of trade value. So then all of a sudden, if you're the Ravens, if you could switch these dudes out, you could promise Mitchell Schwartz he can compete for a title, that he could continue to have playoff runs, play for one of the best teams in the NFL. You can get him on there and you could trade mm-hmm. Orlando Brown for draft capital. I mean, like that's huge. I like the Packers fit. I didn't even think about that one, but that one is that one's really nice. If you got Bakhtiari on one side and Mitchell Schwartz on the other, that's... That's big time. You know who you uh, you know who you you're gonna then trade Orlando Brown to. The Kansas City Chiefs. Nah, it's not a scheme fit, but it would be fun. <laughs> uh, the other name that I had on here, which was a wild card because I tried to make it work in my head because I thought it would be fun, would be the San Francisco 49ers. But I'm not so sure that that's. Yeah, the right. I mean, McGlinchey hasn't there. played well in a bit, right? And and like it's it's even like if they can't resign Trent Williams, like if Trent Williams wants to go somewhere else for more money, they could do that because they didn't franchise tag him, right? I didn't miss that, correct? I don't think so. I didn't think so either. But now I'm yeah. second guessing myself because everybody got franchise tag, and it became a boring free agency. But. If they were to move on from Trent Williams, would they maybe want to sign a guy like Mitchell Schwartz? Maybe want to kick a guy like McGlinchey over to left tackle? I don't know. That one didn't work as perfect, but I did think about that, and I was, you know, was toying with that in my brain. Mm-hmm. I do you want to? Uh, do you want to go? Do we want to take like a, a deep step here into this Chiefs offensive line room? Because I feel like they eviscerated this unit, and yeah, now we can do that. Yeah, we can do that because okay. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, in an effort both to become cap solvent and an effort to turn over some of the roster that they've struggled with, uh, completely redid their offensive line. However, the players that they cut were the good players that they had, which is you know not really the way you want to go about it. But they cut Eric Fisher, their starting left tackle, the last five, six years. No, more, seven Way years. Way more, yeah. Uh, yeah. They cut Mitchell Schwartz, uh, who has been the starting right tackle the last four or five years. So they, they brought him from Cleveland. They cut Austin Ryder, another free agent addition from Cleveland, who was their center for multiple years. Now, they had Kaliche Osemele at left guard this past season. He was awesome for them, uh, and he got injured. He lost the season. They also had uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who's their starting right guard. He's a pretty good guard, but he opted out of the entire season because 
he's a doctor, which is nuts. And he wanted to go help on the COVID front front lines. King. That's amazing. King. Yeah. Now, Osemele and Duvernay Tardif should be considered potential starters for them at guards moving forward. Mm-hmm. That means that you have your depth players in Andrew Wiley and Daniel Kilgore and Nick Allegretti, all of whom can maybe start at center for you. But none of those are really exciting options. Then at tackle, you've got at this stage kind of nobody. The best option you've got is last year's third round pick, Lucas Niang, out yeah. of TCU. Right. Uh, we liked Lucas Niang's film on this show. However, Lucas Niang was uh, a medical red flag at the combine for the hip injury that not only uh, took him out of his senior season early but also affected his ability to play throughout the course of his senior season right um because he as he told us at the combine he just could not get into his sets without being in pain uh and so niang had the film of an eventual nfl starter mm-hmm. however his senior season was cut short he didn't play last year so he's gonna be like a second year rookie and he's got a hip problem not necessarily the basket which you want to put all of your eggs, right? I think that they'd love for Niang to be able to win a starting job for them, but I'm not sure how much you can trust in that. So now the 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 Chiefs, who still are not cap solvent, who are still four million under the cap, are committing the cardinal sin. So we talk about it in this show a lot. You don't want to walk into the draft pigeonholed for a position in your first round pick. And certainly yeah. when you're picking at 31. It matters a little bit less just because you're not talking about, you know, oh, we're going to pass up a top 10 player because we need to pick a corner at 14. Like, no, it's not like that. You're at 31. So, like, the board's going to settle out a little bit and it's going to start to deviate. It's going to start to be who do you have ranked higher versus other teams, so on and so forth. But all of this to say, at this stage, it's not like the Chiefs can go out and, and sign a free agency, clear starting offensive tackles or clear starting guards. Right. So, it feels to me, like they're going to be pigeonholed into offensive line at 31. And that's not where you want to be as a team. It's not where you want to be as a team, but it's it's not the worst spot in this class, at least the way that we kind of project it, right? I mean, when you look at the top offense tackles, okay, yeah, Penny Sewell's going to be gone. Rashawn Slater's going to be gone. You know, probably Christian Darisaw, Tevin Jenkins are going to be gone. But there are some other names who could very well be around at the back end of the first round. Jalen Mayfield, Samuel Cosme. Dylan Radens, Liam Eikenberg, Alex Leatherwood. There's some guys that you could draft a little bit later if you wanted to. James Hudson, Braden Christensen. Like, I, I feel like, no, of course, it's not ideal. You never want to go into the draft thinking, if we don't address this, we're screwed. But it's not the worst year to be in this situation for sure. the Chiefs. Okay. Who are you hoping is there at 31? Because if you're going to play tackle, I like made the Orlando Brown joke, right? Like the Ravens call you up. They say, send us 31. We'll send you Orlando Brown. He's going to play left tackle for you. In theory, if you're the Chiefs, you're like sick. Yeah, done. no, I mean, I'm, I'm doing is- that in a heartbeat. Are you? If I'm the Chiefs? Yes. Who else are you going to get at 31? Who's going to help you well, compete? My- my issue is that Orlando Brown is 350 pounds. And I don't know if in this offense where we're – running 10 bajillion screens. Uh, we're, we're running uh, a lot of play action off of zone. We're running the ball off of zone a lot, period, and we're leaving you on an island a lot. That's how. That's where you want to be playing Orlando Brown. They, uh, to me, 
you've got to be very light, very quick on your feet. You've got to be able to deep set in this offense, right? Think about Patrick Mahomes on those deep dropbacks. Think about all the five-man protections. You've got to be able to get vertical sets deep. Orlando Brown is a short set, jump set player. I'm, he's very talented. I'm not sure it's a good scheme fit. They might be in trouble with Niang then as well. Right. Well, that's because like, I mean, know, like, like I felt like pass sets were his something where he needed to get better anyways. Like even like health, even if fully healthy. Right. I don't so, know how right. I don't know how Brown. well you're getting a smooth pass protector at at 31. How much did Christensen weigh? Because Christensen's a smooth mover. I don't think they've had the BYU pro day yet for Christensen. Um, we got he's him. Six, six, we got list him at six six three hundred. Okay, but like, I mean, he's more of a zone tackle, so you could you could prioritize right. him as an option if you wanted to. I mean, James Hudson, I think, has got some athleticism too. He's six four. Right. We got really him. But these, are, these, are these three hundred? Are these thirty one overall guys for you? No, but if you're the Chiefs, you're picking at thirty one, and then what? Sixty three. Right. Going back to the well, got to go again. So yeah, you're basically right. you're basically just like hoping that Christensen's going to make it to sixty three. And at thirty one, who are you targeting? Mayfield, Cosme. Right. I mean, like Tevin Jenkins if he's there. Jalen Mayfield, I think certainly. Cosme because yeah, I think he moves. I think he moves well. Yeah, those those probably be the big three: is Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Mayfield, Samuel Cosme. Those are who who I target. Cosme, by the way, it got buried because of the uh, the Joseph Osai numbers. Cosme ran a four eight four. No way. Samuel Cosme no registered in at six oh six one three oh nine, which is great for him, right? Three ten. No six, way. Six foot six, three ten. He benched thirty six, Trev, and he ran a four eight four. Okay, hold on. Hold on. And nobody um, said anything. Okay, hold on. He ran a 484, you said? 484. 484 is a 97th percentile 40 yard dash. Man's got huge strides. It took him 10 steps to run the 40. Okay, so when I said Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Mayfield, Samuel Cosme, what I really meant was Samuel Cosme at all costs. Samuel Cosme, Samuel Cosme, Samuel Cosme. Um, Right, so I think I, Cosme also is an interesting one because he's so tall and he's so long, and I think that that is something that right they they brought in Yang who was six six, uh, Schwartz was six five, Fisher was six seven, so I think that they want height and length, and so Cosme's going to check that box for them. Most of the guys in this class are going to check that box for them. It's not like they're going to be dealing with the Rayshon Slater issue. Right. Uh, who also, talking about tackle pro days, Slater was outside of his mind. Yeah, that um, was also but, yeah. silly. Right. Cosby makes sense. Eichenberg makes sense. Leatherwood makes sense, especially like as a tackle potential guard transfer guy. Because remember, they're, they're going to need interior offensive linemen as well. Walker Little makes sense. I, so you've I, got names at 31. I think Eichenberg makes sense for them because I'm confident in his play IQ to where I can I can I can start him right away and I'm um I'm not worried that the NFL game is going to like overwhelm him from a right. processing standpoint. I still that's the other thing. I still worry about Eichenberg's need, overall athleticism yeah. though. That, that and that's a tricky thing. You're at 31 right. and you need a starter. Like yes. that's again yeah. like we talk about places you don't want to be drafting a 
day one starter on the offensive line of all freaking places. At 31 is difficult. At 31 is nightmare, but that's what you need to be able to do right now because you got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You got good football players and you're trying to win more Super Bowls. You were right. just there last year. Right. Oh, that's no, not good. No, I man. agree with you. Throw Eichenberg in there just because he, he, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking to myself like, man, I don't know if he has the athleticism to do what the Chiefs would want to do in the run game or the pass game. But yeah. you need a guy who's not going to be overwhelmed by the NFL speed, the NFL game, it's, or just the processing of it all. So you got to throw his name in there too. They like what the most frustrating thing about this is that they like need a linebacker. They need wow, like Willie the, Gay they need, like they need corner depth. They need interior defensive uh, defensive line depth. They can't do this now because they got to spend so much time on the freaking offensive line. Hey, but they might make a splash in free agency. Wait, do they have like negative cap still? They have negative cap. Yeah, right now they still haven't gotten out of the cap. Okay, all right. Well, uh, no, they might make a get back to me on plunk. that. A small ripple in free agency. A drip. <laughs> oh, dang it, Chiefs! Come on. All right, we got we got we got another ad that we got to read, and then we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about a potential Russell Wilson trade, and we'll, we'll get to more pro day numbers, and we'll freak about those, uh, freak out about those before we get we get out of here today. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college basketball, NHL. It's all in full swing. Bet Online also covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV. They got real up updated, real time updated odds. Those are the words, and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when you sign up to get a fifty percent bonus. A lot of fun coming up next. Thursdays on Locked on NFL are a must-listen as Ryan Tracy and Jake Lisko break down teams across the NFL from an analytics and team-building perspective. Get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from Ryan and Jake every day. Subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're opening it up into the world of unknown. We're letting the imagination flow, and we're talking about a Russell Wilson trade because this just keeps being a thing. And the other teams that Russell Wilson listed, which were, what, the Cowboys, the Saints? Who was the other team? Who's one other team? Because there were four. It was Chicago, Dallas, New Orleans. Raiders. Raiders, that was it. Yes, the Raiders were the four teams that Russell Wilson's agent said, oh, no, my client client has not demanded a trade. But if he did. These would be the teams he would demand. These would be the teams, which is just the most hilarious premise ever. It just seems as though the Bears keep getting that 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 team keeps getting louder and louder. I don't know well, if did you see what happened the other day. What happened the other day? So you ready, ready to to, to put on our little tinfoil hats here? I, I am, I, brother. I've always got one at the ready. Yeah, that's actually like that's yeah, it is. Okay, Dak signed the deal in Dallas. I did Ergo see this. taking. Ergo taking Dallas off of the board. I wouldn't say and that. And then sportsbooks took down the Russell Wilson next team betting odds. And the Bears, like their odds to win the division jumped favorably. So wow. Vegas made very small, likely insignificant moves towards the Bears being in some way better. And also recognizing they had no certainty as to where Wilson was going. And this became Twitter hype for Russell Wilson to the Bears. The question is this. Mm -hmm. Chicago. 
yes. currently on the roster at quarterback, Nick Foles. You may have heard of him. Super Bowl winner. Other than that, you hate him. Not much interesting. Don't have a fourth round pick this upcoming year. Otherwise, have all of their picks. First round, second round, third round, significant picks for the next couple of years. Is there an offer that the Seahawks would even consider accepting from Chicago? Because the problem is, if you you make this trade, you're getting Chicago's round one next year. Well, guess what? That's a 20th overall pick. You get their round one next year. Well, guess what? Russell Wilson's on their team. Russell Wilson's never won fewer than 10 games in the regular season. It's not going to be an early pick. You're not going to get a three like you got from like Miami got from Houston. It's not going to happen. Chicago's roster is better, and and, and they're going to have Russell Wilson. They're going to be able to make the playoffs. You're never getting a huge early first-round pick in this trade. So you'd have to just trade for stuff to subsequently then try to trade up to subsequently go get a rookie quarterback who, let's be honest, isn't going to become Russell Wilson. Correct. So, I don't know if there's any deal that Chicago can even make, like even strap together, that would subsequently get Seattle's attention. And when I think of being able to make ridiculous deals that would actually get people's attention, I'd go to you. So, my question to you is, if you're the Bears, how do you make this happen? All right. Nick Foles. That's it. No, just kidding. <laughs> Nick Foles, a first and second round pick this year. A first and second round pick next year. Oh, man, you probably have to give up. I'm looking at their roster. I'm right. like, who else can you throw in? And the only name that makes any sense at all that moves this needle for Seattle is Khalil Mack. That's it. And you're not moving Khalil Mack. Like, I think... Even the ru- then, how much is Khalil Mack moving the needle for you? I mean, it's still Khalil Mack. Let's be real here. Okay, it's still the, Khalil Mack. See, the Seahawks have... The Seahawks have absolutely no... Uh, they, they have no pass rush right now. So, like, Khalil Mack automatically increases their pass rush tenfold, if you ask me. Khalil Mack is over 30 and hasn't had double-digit sacks since 2018. It's still Khalil Mack. I know. I'm just saying. I think that right now Khalil Mack's name is a little bit more juicy than like actual Khalil Mack. And this is so not you're saying. Like, so you're are you are you saying this on the side of Chicago? Give him up, or are you saying this on the side of this doesn't do anything for Seattle? It's not that it does nothing for Seattle. It's that if Seattle's like, all right, we, what's our cornerstone of the Russell Wilson trade? It's like, oh, Khalil Mack. Man, uh, I don't know how much Khalil Mack's going to matter to you if you don't have a quarterback, which you're trading Russell Wilson. And for Nick Foles, guess what you don't have? A quarterback. I don't think Mack is like Aaron Donald level of being able to take over a game and, you know, just a defense and this and, you know, make you a dominant defensive unit. No. I don't think he's that player. So, I don't know. It, to me, it, it's not enough of a cornerstone. You know when I think that this deal fell through? That this potential what? deal fell through with Seattle? When they traded two freaking first-round picks for Jamal Adams. Because I because... can't... Because I can't envision... Like, like what you said here. Trading Russell Wilson. Uh, having a trade of Russell Wilson on the table for 
two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and shoot, maybe even a third first-round pick. All that does is get you back to basically where you were before the Jamal Adams trade. They don't have a first-round pick this year. They don't have a first-round pick next year. So if you get, even if you get Chicago's later first-round picks, it's not like you have two first-round picks. You just have one first-round pick. So if, if the Seahawks never made that egregious Jamal Adams deal, then all of a sudden we might be sitting here talking about a conversation. But I don't even, you're right, we're, we're, I'm trying to conjure the best deal that I possibly can, and even then, I don't know how it makes sense for the Seahawks, even if you're giving them an insane package, because what did you, what did you say the dead cap hit was on Russell Wilson? It's like $40 million this year if they trade him. Right. Thirty-nine million if they trade him. Thirty-three if they just keep him. So right. it they would right. cost six million dollars to get rid of him. So you would you would be having Russell Wilson forty million dollars on your cap for him to not play on your team, and then to simply have one first round pick and it's pick number twenty. That's I I don't care how you spin it. I don't care what else you're getting because next year it's the same thing. You don't have a first round right. pick. You get the Bears pick, and if you trade Russell Wilson, like you said, mid twenties. It don't matter. These are not these are not quarterback impacting picks that you're getting here. So right, you're gonna you're gonna trade all you're gonna get all of Chicago's future firsts and seconds, and then you're gonna use those picks to trade up to get a quarterback. Right, you're not gonna have your own firsts. Right, you traded them for Jamal Adams. Right, so you're gonna end up with like a regular haul of draft picks, Jamal Adams and a rookie, and the cost will have been Russell Wilson. It's not worth it. I just I I can't see He's a reality where the where this makes sense for Seattle. I just can't. I can't. He's see staying that. in Seattle. It can't uh, let, happen. He's staying in Seattle. Let's throw out some crazy pro days. Let's let's freak out about some some pro day numbers before we get out of here. Who do you want to start with? Samuel Cosme. Okay. Thirty six reps in the bench. No. Uh, <laughs> are you playing Rashawn Slater at tackle or at guard if your team drafts him? Yes or no. Thirty three inch arms. Four eight eight forty yard dash. Six four three zero four. Thirty three reps on the bench. One six eight ten yard split. And also a video of him trying to murder his strength coach before front squatting like 500 pounds. Trevor, we go to you. So I looked up the percentiles for him on his pro day numbers and compared them with interior offensive line as well as offensive tackle. Offensive tackle in terms of height, weight, and arm length. He is below the 20th percentile in all of those. 6'4", 304, 33-inch arms. 33-inch arms, I think it was, it was fine for him. It was a good number. I was, I was hoping it wasn't less than 33. But all of those are the height is 14th percentile, the weight is 18th, and the arm length is 9th. At interior offensive line, these are 53rd percentile for height, 31st for weight, 40th for arm length. So that's a lot better. When you look at the athletic numbers, I mean, the athletic numbers are fantastic no matter what offensive line spot you're looking at. 40-yard dash, 488. 10-yard split, 168. Bench press reps, 33. Three-cone, 748. All of those are above the 85th percentile, and in sometimes the high 90s, no matter what you're looking at, interior offensive line or offensive tackle. He knows how to play the position so well, and I think that he held up so well at left tackle. You play him there first. It's it's the it's kind of the scouting philosophy. Hey, if you believe a guy has a chance to succeed at offensive tackle, allow him to fail there first. Give him a shot at playing the more valuable position for you before you move him inside. Because I really do think that Rayshon Slater, I mean, he'd be, in, he'd be an all-pro guard, I think. What you would be able to do with him, how well he moves, how strong he is, how smart he is, I think that he could be an all-pro interior offensive lineman. And maybe that's where he ends up. But I'm drafting him thinking that he can play tackle because he's got tape out there to show it. 
So I'm letting him fail at tackle before I put him in interior offensive line, but that's where I am from him. I don't have reservations yeah. to put him at tackle. I really don't. I agree with you. I think that you play him at tackle, fail him at tackle. I think he'll end up a better guard. I comped him athletically to Joe Tooney because once I saw his numbers, I was like, ah, oh, those are Joe Tooney numbers. Uh, Joe Tooney was 6'5", 304, had 32 and a quarter inch arms, right? So a big difference there is the three quarters of an inch, which is just such a dumb thing to say out loud. Uh, arm <laughs> length for Rashawn Slater. Like, oh, yeah, he's a tackle now. Um, ran a 4.95, 10 yard split of 1.7. Uh, bench 28, had a three cone that was 7.47. Seven. I think Slater's was like 7.45. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're pretty similar numbers. They're pretty similar athletes. And so you can go and beat Joe Tooney, who played guard and tackle and center, I think, at NC State. You can go and do that and, and enter the pros and be a guard and be a really, really good guard. My question is, like, okay, I, I tell you that Slater's drafted, like, you know, at four by the Falcons. You think they're playing him at guard or tackle? I tell, them that, I tell you that they drafted it, like the Panthers drafted him at eight. Do you think they're playing him at guard or a tackle? Because that's the the other tricky thing is it's like, where does he end up going value-wise and to what team does he end up going? So I think yeah. different teams will take him at different levels relative to what position they think he belongs. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're drafting him top 10, top 12, you're, you're trying him at tackle. You know, he, he would be high enough on your board to where you think that he can give you a premium value as a draft pick. And I think that that would be an offensive tackle. So I, I think that there are going to be plenty of teams in the NFL who just say, yeah, he's a guard. We would be comfortable drafting him late teens, early 20s. And there's other teams that are going to say, no, we think he's got big time upside at offensive tackle. Um, I don't know if I messed that up, if I said guard or tackle first time. It, it, I would say interior offensive line, late teens, early 20s. But if a team views him as an offensive tackle, they're going to look at his movement abilities. They're going to say, this dude is an athlete. We could play him out at offensive tackle in our system. That's going to be fantastic. We would draft him in the top 15. So I, I just think that it's going to be different for every team, however you look at him. There's going to be some teams that don't think he could play tackle. There's going to be others that do. And th those that do are going to have him higher on the board. That's just what I think. Who's another guy we're looking at? All right. I want to uh, make you make a prediction multiple months out, which is unfair. You ready? Great. Great. Yeah. Yesterday, Texas Edge Joseph Osai at his pro day. Six foot four, 256 pounds, 33 and 7 eighth inch arms. He ran a 4'6", 11 broad jump, 41 and a half vertical jump. Insane. Uh, just stupid numbers. 90, 90, 98th, 99th percentile, by the way, folks. Just no reason to be alive. Just jumping 41 and a half inches as an edge. Just never talk to me ever again. I'm never coming out of my house. Greg Newsom the second. <laughs> Corner out of Northwestern. Yeah. Six foot 192. Ran a 438, 440. Uh, 438, 440. 10 yard split of 1.5. Uh, he brought jump 10.3. Vertical jumped 40 inches. Ran a sub 7 3 cone at 6.94. Who is drafted earlier? Who's drafted in the first round? Both, just one of them or neither. Greg Newsom or Joseph Osai. Go. Uh, I think that Greg Newsom's going to be drafted the late part of the first round, and I think that Joseph Osai is going to be a, oh, I'll say an early second round pick. I, I'll you still think say, Osai jumps 41 and a half inches and isn't drafted first round? <sighs> You're nuts. Yeah. I just... You're nuts. Mm, he's got so much to learn still about playing edge. 
nah, 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 nah. He's going to get the Brian Gutenkunz at 29. And Brian's going to be like, all right, scouting team, what do we got? And one guy's going to be like, there's a kid who jumped 41 and a half inches and played edge. And Brian's going to be like, we're drafting him. And they're going to be like, Brian, Justin Fields fell to us. Like, Brian, Michael Parsons is still on the board. And he's like, I don't care. 41 and a half inch, inch, vert. Can't oh, leave him. I don't know, no. man. Listen, listen. Cleveland just cut Adrian Claiborne at 26. They need an edge. Baltimore 27 is going to lose Bowser. They're going to lose Matt Judon. They need an edge. Saints are going to lose Trey Hendrickson. They need an edge. That's 28. Packers at 29 are going to lose Preston Smith. They need an edge. Bills at 30 have Jerry Hughes AJ, and AJ Epinesa. They do not have another outside rusher. They yeah. need an edge. Yeah. And Bucks don't need an edge, but whatever. No, they'll probably be fine. The, the, there are too many teams here. Even Steelers at 24, Dupree, but how Highsmith played well. Jets at 23, Titans at 22. No, you're right. Edge, I'm, I'm, edge. I, I answered There's my too many teams. I answered the question with my my grade of him in my mind, and that's yeah. just you have to bring situational evaluation into it. And so, I hear you. I think that that's a that's a that's a tough row to get by to think that Osai would not be drafted there. Right. And once we get out of consensus first round grades, which is top 14, 15 players, right? Those are the players like every year is like, all right, these guys are definitely going in the first round. Then it becomes what your your staffs like. And very simply, there are too many staffs who like kids who jump 41 and a half inches in the vert and 10, 11 in the broad for him to get by. I also think Newsom's a first rounder. I agree with that. I think the who goes first is interesting and is worthy of debate i'm not sure who's gonna go first because like it's like it's, it's gonna be all over the place a little bit um i think greg newsom's gonna go first i would i like i i would say i'm more confident that osai goes in the first round than newsom does wow me okay personally, so yeah you're, you're on the other side of it okay me personally this sounds like a bet but see i like you and i both like newsom more than we like osai Publix, I just think Publix, that, Publix Buffalo Chicken Tender Sub on the line? Oh, I want a Buffalo, I want a Publix Buffalo Chicken Tender Sub right now so badly. Yes, okay. Osai Newsome drafted first. If Osai's drafted first, you owe me one. If Newsom's okay. drafted first, I owe you one. I'm Deal! Deal! Joseph Osai, baby! Jumping out the gym! <laughs> that Brian Gooden cooch little bit right there was just, <laughs> that just, that just killed drafted him. drafted a baby. Let's <laughs> go. Athletes! <laughs> That was fun. That was a good change of pace podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We got one more episode that we've got. Uh, actually, we're releasing it the same day because we're releasing this Friday morning. We're going to release uh, Fan Friday later today because we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict. Had to push things back. Our apologies. But hopefully we made up for it with the good content. Make sure you get your questions in on Twitter, at on Instagram. Find us, Trevor Sikama, Benjamin Solak. You can get your questions in there. We haven't done the podcast yet, so even when this releases, you can go hear it on Twitter, and we'll, we'll probably be keeping it a little bit longer before we record. So get it on the show. Get your Fan Friday questions in there. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.